0: Hello, everyone. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. For Marcus Lopez, I'm your host for the hour, Larry Smith. On today's program, a one-hour special on For the Future Generations, the youth at Standing Rock. We'll have an in-depth conversation with the creator and executive director of the brand new and forthcoming Niake Yuza Teen Center at Standing Rock, along with the co-project coordinator of the Lakota People's Law Project. That and more here on American Indian Airwaves. You
1: can hear
0: when the moon shines bright The lone fool in the black of the night You can hear, you can hear The whisper in the valley mm-hmm. And you know when Kamakani blows to the bahu On today's program, here on American Indian Airwaves, we go to the Oshete Jacon or the Standing Rock Sioux Nation of North and South Dakota for an in depth conversation on for future generations the youth and children at Standing Rock. On today's program, we have two guests that I speak with for the entire hour regarding the work that they're doing in seeing the creation and the fruition of the Niake Yuza Teen Center at Standing Rock, which would be the first teen center available to provide various forms of social, cultural, and educational assistance to the youth and the future generations at Standing Rock. I have the honor of introducing both of our guests for the entire hour. Our first guest is Hokshila White Mountain he is the creator and executive director of the Niokke Usa Teen Center at Standing Rock and our second guest for today's program is Daniel Nelson co-project director of the Lakota People's Law Project I start the interview with Hokshila White Mountain asking him to discuss this time of mourning and how Indigenous peoples during the COVID-19 pandemic, approximately one out of every four, have moved on or passed away because of the COVID-19 pandemic and how that relates to the naming and the creation of the Niakey Teen Center at Standing Rock. And now part one of a two-part interview on For the Future Generations – the youth and children at Standing Rock.
2: Well, we believe that uh, the pandemic has had a really big impact on our reservation. One of the actual person who it's named after, Niake, he was a, was a educator within our, our community for years. He was a chairman, he was a council person, he was a spiritual leader in our community. And um, the teen center will be named in remembrance of him because he passed away in November from actual COVID. Now, the, the dream of the Teen Center was dreamt up years ago by me and my wife whenever we came to the reservation, but we decided to name it after him because he was such an impactful person on not only our family, but everybody in the community as well. He was a teacher and educator for the last part of his life, and he really did apply his whole life, the part of it, to that position. There were so many kids within the community that loved him and called him and referred to him as Lala. When Lala would be the Lakota term for grandpa, mm. so within the community he was kind of referred to as the community grandpa, and everybody knew him as their grandpa. So when he passed in uh, November, or I believe it was October or November, maybe it was December, this past winter, anyhow, um, it was a big it was a big impact on our community. So, whenever we've been able to slowly start this teen center get formulated this year, it was kind of no question in our families if we could quite name it after him because of the impact he had on the community and the love that he had for the children. So, I believe that the, the teen center, even the name, is taken after what he, after that individual.
0: And and talk about uh, the need for the Teen Center. And because, you know, a lot of listeners certainly are familiar with uh, the Standing Rock struggle and and, uh, the fight over uh, protecting uh, Mother Earth or Unchimaka and and the treaties. Um, And so people have that consciousness in, in general, but talk about the need for the Teen Center.
2: Well, our community has been really impacted by Dapple. Of course, the world was able to see that on television and different uh, media pl- platforms. But well before DAPL and after DAPL right now, we are experiencing high amounts of youth homelessness, um, youth addiction. We experience, even within the adults, youth homelessness and addiction. We have actually a documented, I think the education report put a 60% homelessness within one of our communities, and in other communities, it's as upwards as high as 80% and 75%. But when we level it out, I guess on average for the southern part of the Standing Rock Reservation, we're at about a 60% homelessness for our youth. And not only that, but we don't have no services available for these youth after school. We don't have no cultural related teen centers or any kind of type of activities available for these students after hours. So sometimes the only available meals that they have is during school hours at the school or sometimes a lot of the personal, I guess, things that they need to survive are from the school and other agencies around the reservation that donate them. We also have an 80% unemployment rate. So that means a lot of our families are surviving off of government assistance. And somewhere is below $12,000 a year, these families are surviving on. Some of them might only get like a three or $400 TANF check for the month. And that, that check is to last them all the month and then their food, food and everything else that they would have to need for the month. So a lot of these families don't have any services or any available aid to help them. And we're hoping to try to, I guess, fill that gap in some way by supplying, one, a so safe environment for them. Two, if the children need to stay overnight, we can. And we're hoping that if we can gain enough money and grants that we would be able to also help and provide some services for these children and their parents in the form of maybe rent assistance, light assistance, food assistance, or clothes assistance. One of our big things is I realize that we have many gaps and many needs within the reservation, and we just like to encompass and wrap around our services around these children as much as possible to help, I guess, serve all of their needs.
0: And just for our, our, our listeners, um, are there any other teen centers or, uh, serv- shall we say, uh, properly funded Uh, resources that provide the services that you're you're looking to provide with the teen center
2: we do have other services on the reservation I believe one is through the church and then one is actually through the Boys and Girls Club but they don't actually serve the children's age groups that we would be wanting to serve we'd want to concentrate we use the term loosely teen center but we're hopefully that we could serve kids as 18 to young adulthood around the age of 24 just so that way we can concentrate on these individuals because it seems like a lot of times they're the ones that are kind of getting left in the middle and people forget about because they are older. We concentrate on the little kids and make sure that we the little ones that can't care for themselves have anything. But it seems as as they get older, we forget about them more and more. And even as they turn 18, American society has it in their head that as soon as a person turns 18, they're adult, they should know better, they should be able to do all these other things on their own. But some of these children ain't taught these life skills to be able to have a successful successful life. They don't know how to, I guess, simple things like fill so a job application, I mean, have a hard time being able to find rent or different kind of services within the community or even applying for these services. They may not know how. And we're hoping to teach these children these things. So that way they're able to, I guess, be independent on their own.
0: We can certainly talk about treaty rights and education. And, uh, so the uh, trail of broke, broken treaties and how that relates, um, you know, in response to to the work that you and and community members and supporters are are doing, and you know, I back in 2014, you know, the Obama administration declared Native American youth and their education in a state of emergency, and and, and so. I, your thoughts on that in relationship to uh the role of the treaties and the work that you're doing
2: I honestly believe that the American government has uh, kind of given us a second rate education through the treaty system. you know it's uh they've taken just about everything that they can from us and left us with nothing and then of course we're with nothing how are we supposed to build up one of the things that they promised us through treaties, you know, besides health care and, you know, shelter was education. And we're getting a second-rate education right now. When in reality, this is owed to us. It's not something that we should be asking for, but something that is right, that is one of our given rights and that we should have offered to us. And we should have the opportunity to go to some of the best universities based on that. We shouldn't be receiving the second rate or only being able to go to the state or, you know, the um, public universities, but we should have the opportunity to apply to the private universities and to the more prestigious ones and be able to get in just as if we were the fluent or rich. But that's my personal opinion on the education system.
0: When it comes to any Indigenous nation you know, language is so important and so vital, and, and it helps shape and influence um, our individual and collective sense of beings and, and I know back in uh, 2016, the Lakota Language Consortium issued a statement uh, indicating that only 2,000 first language uh, uh, speakers of Lakota remain, and that was a 66% decline over the prior decade. and I was wondering if you could talk about um, the work that the Teen Center plans on doing in relationship to the language.
2: We do believe that cultural and identity is one of the major things to help these children. If, we, if we're not proud of who we are and we're feeling ashamed, we're not going to be, be able to really feel good and probably succeed at most of our goals that we set for ourselves. We're going to feel inadequate. We're not going to feel the confidence that we should. And some of the And being able to feel confident, we have to instill pride in who we are. So we're going to encompass a lot of our culture around our teen center. We're going to be trying to label it. We're going to be starting off some of the days with maybe prayer, ending with prayer. And then then throughout the day, we're going to have different activities that are going to be culturally related to the teen center, so that way it's not going to be not, like we we may not be doing it every day, but there's going to be a couple activities throughout the week that are going to help i guess identifying ground the child and who they are as a lakota, and then also they're going to be learning old traditional ways that maybe may not be practiced no more so in also they're going to be able to learn to carry these on to their children and to our our great grandchildren where they might, they might have been lost. A lot of these ways that, you know, traditionally where we consider they say, like, blah, me, or we, we do beating, or if we did some, did some things with the language, even the language, we want to be able to try to pick it up. So with the language, we're going to try to incorporate it as much as possible through traditional songs, labeling of the house. And we believe that the more exposure we have to the language to these children, the memorial helps stick
0: with them. Mm. How does the center help, shall we say, nurture, um, but also protect teen youth? And and I'm thinking of um, the disproportionate high number of incarcerated Indigenous peoples. You know, both in in South and North Dakota, but I know uh, um, in South Dakota in particular, right? Uh, the prison population is disproportionately Indigenous, so. Talk about the teen center in in that context and how it can help prevent teens getting uh, or just indigenous youth wrapped up in the prison industrial complex system.
2: There's been numerous studies that have suggested that kids who are grounded in culture and identity are less likely to turn to drugs and alcohol because they will have that. They'll have a good sense of who they are. They'll have something to back up and back to rely on to have that sense of social networks that's positive within their community to lean back on for support, to get help in in whatever kind of situation they may need. We're hoping that by providing the teen center and giving these kids positive social networks to link up with is going to help provide a safety net for them in case they are. It may not keep all the children away from drugs and alcohols, and some of them still may experiment on their own, but it is our belief that if at least they have that safety network, it won't be coming to where their life is wrapped around substance and alcohol. You know, it's not really so much where we're trying to keep it uh, 100% down, but we would like to see where nobody is substance and alcohol and we have them in a the clear mind at all time. But if we can keep them at the lower end of the continuum through education and positive social network, would be great.
0: And you're listening to American Indian Airwaves, part one of a two part interview on for the future generations, the children and youth at Standing Rock. We're speaking with Hokshila White Mountain, who is the creator and executive director of the Niayakeusa Teen Center at Standing Rock, and Daniel Nelson co-project director of the Lakota People's Law Project. And now, back to the interview. Talk about uh, the goals for the center and the resources that are, are needed. I know um, in prior discussions, we talked about, uh, you know, having uh, the appropriate cultural educational resources. But also part of that, you know, is having, you know, high speed Internet and having the infrastructure right for for the youth to use computers to, uh, you know, for educational purposes, for cultural purposes, for networking purposes. So, uh, your thoughts on that?
2: We like to incorporate as much as uh, the Wi-Fi and the the education, those type of services as much as possible because a lot of these children have limited services available to the Wi-Fi and other things. You'll be coming down through our community and you see the children sitting as close as possible to, like, the schools or to any place that has free public Wi-Fi because a lot of them don't have access to the Wi-Fi at home. You know, it's um, when we got bills that need to be paid and sometimes it's between eating and electricity or Wi-Fi, you know, the Wi-Fi and the ones that kind of see them as luxury items will always get, won't be able to be the ones to get taken care of first. So a lot of these students don't have the ability to be on Wi-Fi and have those services all the time on a daily basis. We'd like to be able to provide that service for these children as another form of, I guess I wouldn't want to just sit here and say just strictly entertainment, but they could also use the Wi-Fi for educational purposes. You mentioned the local language consortium. And I do know that there is not only the Lakota Language Association, but other language um, organizations out there right now who provide their services over the Wi-Fi, and that would actually help, help us with, with reintegrating the language back into our community. So we see, the wi- see Wi-Fi, Internet, and the ability to access these as a big, huge tool to help us enable these kids to be able to mm-hmm. be reintegrated back into their culture in a positive way.
0: And what other types of resources uh, that the teen center is going to provide for in indigenous youth? And also what's the um, uh, the support from the community back there in, in seeing this project come to fruition or come alive?
2: Some of the resources that we'd like to also be able to help out with is trying to f- help transport these students if they need them to and from some of the services, whether it be hospital services, mental health services, or if they just need some help in transportation, we'd like to be able to help that. We also mentioned we'd like to, in the future, start applying to be able to receive more seed money so maybe we could help with utility assistance for these children mm-hmm. to be able to help them at home because we know that a lot of times, sometimes whenever they get to the end of the month, times in the home can be a little bit more stressful. The parents don't have no money. There might be less food in the fridge. People ain't feeling like is the best to move because they're stressed about some of the basic necessities that they need to have. And the, sometimes if you're just able to, like, provide simple things as shampoo, toilet paper, maybe assistance with a bill, that helps the family and so much more, and it can help them actually, I guess, alleviate some of the stress in the house mm-hmm. and help them. So we'd like to see it. We like to be able to, in the future, supply other services along those lines, so that way we we know that the children are taken care of, not only in our in our facility but also at home.
0: And talk about the community support that you that you have, whether it be other community organizations, indigenous governments. We do have
2: the tribal government who is in supportive of it. A couple members off the tribal government that are really supportive of. It. Actually, one of the I'm not going to say over, but one of the the future board members that we'd like to have for this is actually a, a tribal council member. Two of the people are educators also on the reservation. There's a, a whole lot of support from the community for us to actually get something up and running. I believe the person who sold Mr. my colleague, Mr. Nelson, the house, is he was a gentleman that used to be the mayor, and him and his wife were actually having a, a freezer in a bottom because they stored and canned foods for over the years, and they donated all the food when they sold the house because it was in their belief that the children need it. The children need as much services as possible, and I think that they were really excited that the house was going to be purchased for the for a teen center rather than just a, a family because then they know that it would have serviced, served more kids, and they really did feel that the community needed it too. They were an older couple in their 80s, and they were... They've lived in that town for probably their whole lives, and they really did want to see something done for the children.
0: And you mentioned a colleague uh, there, our supporter, and Mr. Nielsen. So Dan, uh, talk about the role of the Lakota People's Law Project in relationship to the Teen Center.
1: Thanks, Larry. So we, we've been working in South Dakota mainly for the past 18 years, and we actually started that work because of the crisis of Lakota kids being taken from Native communities by the Department of Social Services and placed into non-Native uh, homes and group homes, uh, in some cases very appalling um, conditions. For example, one of the, one, a recent governor of South Dakota, uh, Dennis Dugard, actually was it a, a private investor in a group home uh, that was receiving Native kids. Just a lot of insensitivity at a minimum, and I think worse if you look carefully at what was going on. So what it comes down to is is the agenda of assimilation that's been going on since the beginning of the country. Um, And it continues today in a variety of different ways, but one of them is through the taking of kids through foster care and adoption. So we we became engaged in South Dakota in response to a group of grandmothers that came uh, to California to meet with us about it. And so that work's been ongoing. And so it's put us in direct contact with. Um, the conditions that kids have to face on tribal nations in South Dakota Standing Rock of course straddles North Dakota and South Dakota the border so there are two states at issue uh, but in neither, uh on either side of the border there at Standing Rock do kids have what they need and it's the fault in our opinion as a law firm and an organizing uh, entity it's our our belief that uh, it's intentional it's, it's something that the, the federal government could deal with if it chose to uh, there's a lack of investment, there's significant poverty. If you look at the the top 10 poorest counties in the nation, you'll often find three of them uh, in South Dakota. And of course, they're all on tribal nations. And that includes, very often, it includes Sioux County, which is the, the county that uh, is on the North Dakota side of the rez at Standing Rock. Um, and then Corson County, which is on the South Dakota side, is also uh, very definitely in the running uh, for among the poorest counties in the country. So you have to, we have to ask ourselves why that is. Why is it that uh, the first uh, democracy, modern democracy uh, in the world uh, can't, or chooses not to, rather, to protect its indigenous people? And, you know, you mentioned treaties earlier, uh, Larry. The willful and, and obvious uh, violation of treaties has been a pattern from the beginning. Uh, for example, the 1868 Treaty of Fort Laramie guaranteed a tremendous amount of land to the Sioux Nation, uh, in exchange for the cessation of hostilities at that time included the Black Hills of South Dakota, of of course. Uh, All of that was just taken in 1877 by an act of Congress that was uh, actually ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. But instead of giving that land back in 1981, some cash was put into an account, and of course uh, the Sioux Nation has refused to accept that money. As of now, the the well-known statement that the Black Hills are not for sale uh, stems from that decision by Lakota communities not to, to, to allow that land to be essentially extorted from them. So anyway, we, the Teen Center uh, is a project that we've supported all in the context of this history and, and present. And for me personally as an organizer, you know, the poverty at Standing Rock is, is incredibly motivating to me. I, I find it really shameful that kids, indigenous kids in particular, would continue to bear the brunt uh, of the colonial. Uh, history and, and present of the United States. It's not acceptable, you know. And we have been working for 18 years, so we've seen different administrations in Washington come and go. And of course, things are different. There's no question about the fact that the Biden administration is going to be easier to work with in certain respects than the Trump administration was. And the hope is that we can figure out how to to create more federal support for youth. But there's just no excuse for for kids not having what they need. And these patterns of drug abuse, Hope Sheila talked about the substance abuse problems, there's a suicide crisis of course on tribal nations in South Dakota, it all connects to poverty and there's no excuse for it, there's no excuse for these patterns to be allowed to continue. Every time a child is born and not given what he or she needs, there's uh, an increased chance that certain uh, pathologies and, and sources of agony are going to continue uh, on to the next generation and we have to cut that knot as a country, it's very, very important that we stop making excuses for ourselves. So we support Sheila 100%. Uh, at, the, at the current moment, we're a fiscal sponsor for his work, and you know we're not going anywhere. We're going to be there to support him as we move forward.
0: Dan, when you talk about poverty, or at least uh, one form of poverty, it's no coincidence when we talk about the three poorest counties throughout the politically defined borders of the United States that those three counties have large indigenous populations where indigenous peoples are citizens Right, of their respective nations, and those respective nations have treaties, signed and ratified treaties with the U.S. government. So I wanted to um, make that connection with one form of express poverty to the treaties, but also when it comes to the human trafficking of indigenous youth through the foster care system out there, that's a story our listeners uh, may also be familiar with in our previous interview where we interviewed Chase Iron Eyes, also of the Lakota People's Law Project and the work they were doing to prevent that atrocity, right, and that egregious uh, human rights abuse and those egregious uh, treaty violations. And so, Hukshila, H- I wanted to come back to you and talk about the Nyake a Teen Center in relationship to this idea of future generations. And yes, we talk about seven generations, and that has different meanings for indigenous peoples, whether it means uh, looking back seven generations to understand where we are uh, today and where and how our decisions today will impact seven generations into the future. So talk about seven generations in relationship to the youth and the children?
2: Well these children that we will be servicing will be our future leaders along the reservation and we think that it's important that we teach them our values because a lot of these teachings that we want to have readily available from that our traditional teachings may not have been taught to them in the home. Mm-hmm. So that is what really guided us was our traditional teachers to remember to care for us as relatives. A lot of our values have to do with being, I guess, as a good relative to one another, mm. generosity, looking out for the other one, respect, you know, we have to re- remember that we have to have these values still. There's there's other values still within our Lakota language and our Lakota culture that can be brought back into, into relation of, of thinking of our children and the people after us. And I think that by teaching these children and actually showing them that hey, we're thinking of you, we're caring for you, and we're actually have you in mind, that is going to teach them in return to actually do it later on. But a lot of the times, right now, the generations they don't really they don't know how to care for others because no one cared for them. It wasn't something that was taught to them or instilled into them through assimilation and the years <laughs> of abuse that we've taken through as native people from the i guess we could say settlers or american people american government however we can describe whoever it was that was oppressing us we have just become i guess accustomed to not really having to think about anybody else because we're so we re- revolved in trying to figure out how we're going to survive personally and that has to go with these kids who are growing up right now in alcoholic and drug addicted homes and they're thinking, you know, how am I going to eat today? I'm hungry. You know, they have to, or maybe it's just them and they think it's just their little brothers and sisters. Whenever we have people who are in situations and the only thing that they're thinking about is survival, they, they really, it's hard for them to really know and care and nurture for another human being. You know, they're not really able to think past that and we're hoping that by showing them that we care and love for them and teaching them our values and how that relates to being a good relative to other people that would actually carry on our tradition and our values. So we're hoping to not really so much as to teach, but to actually show them in a way of actually caring and loving for them.
0: And that concludes part one of our two-part interview with Hulk Sheila White-Mountain, who is the creator and executive director of the Niakeyusa Teen Center at Standing Rock, and Daniel Nelson, who's co-project director of the Lakota People's Law Project. We're speaking on For Future Generations, the children and youth at Standing Rock. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. We're going to take a short break and we're going to come back with part two of the interview with more on the Teen Center at Standing Rock, what it means to be an ally and a supporter and what you can do to help.
3: First Nations and our people that've been living here for thousands of years. Stand up! We've been fighting for our freedom since the Nina and the Pinta and the Santa Maria. I stand up! Like Geronimo, Sitting Bull, Red Cloud, Crazy Horse, Leonard Peltier. Stand up! Now they poison in the waters for our sons and our daughters, so we on the frontier. We want one nation, one, one cause, one, one people, one. one tribe. Now it's us against the pipeline. the pipeline. Get on your feet for standing rock and we'll show you how strong we could be when we unify. Two Blue no.
0: Planet Earth, it's been spinning, we've been living and dying But giving birth, the first of many nations Celebrating them days when all that got made Came after what God made These days we cater to these internet memes Internet streams, it seems them streams aren't clean nah, We need the whole story seen We're hassling before water has gasoline in it next moment, Martin Luther King with a dream and war boning, wounded knee plus Alcatraz dog on it, this is for the rock, with prayers we stand on it. Oh
1: yeah, we playing on it, the earth we camp on it, in a sweat lodge singing our songs with grandfather's heat rocks all in the spot, we splash on them with a beatbox from my boy BJ on it, to the prayer for the black snake killers, Train on the front lines, you are the realest, stand for your people, stand for your family, stand with standing Rock, stand for humanity,
0: hey. it takes a group of people who actually care about you know, Mother Earth and life and water being sacred and the land being sacred, to say, we stand up.
1: To all my native people, recognize yourself, keep
3: your head up. To all my tribal people, recognize yourself, keep your head up.
0: Mini Wachoni, water is life. Mini Wachoni, water, water is life. Water is life. Water is life. Water is life.
1: I stand. I stand. I stand
0: with standing rock. I stand
1: with standing rock. I stand with
0: standing rock. Stand up.
1: Stand up.
3: Stand up.
0: Stand up. I stand with standing rock. Stand up. To
3: all my native people. Woke up the giant. We won't go quiet. Don't mistake our peace as we stand in the fight To all my native people It's the calm before the storm and I can hear it coming To all my tribal people i ready for the battle when we ain't running Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up Stand up, stand up, stand up Stand up, stand
0: up, stand up right, Stand around, right. Stand up, stand up, stand up
2: history is on a sad repeat is it liberty or are we just acting free as our land depletes from these hands of greed see fate is found how we face the hounds take a vow for these sacred grounds make a sound that'll shake us out say aloud what can, what can save us now
0: the song stand up standing rock here on american indian airwaves in the second segment of today's program here on American Indian Airwaves, we continue our in-depth conversation with Hokshila White Mountain, who's creator and executive director of the Nyakia Teen Center at Standing Rock, and Daniel Nelson, co-project director of the Lakota People's Law Project. We return back to the Oshete Shakoan, the Standing Rock Suit Nation in North and South Dakota. We're speaking on for future generations, the children and youth at Standing Rock. And now back to the interview. And also, I can't help but think about young, younger people and just all indigenous peoples in general that, right, we have the right to live. Based on our original instructions, based on our traditions, based on our the guidance and wisdom of our elders, our medicine people, the our ancestors whose shoulders we stand upon to build um, a better future for the future, and so you know we certainly have those rights, um, whether it be treaty rights, human rights, however you you want to frame it, and. And, and to me, I just see um, the work that you're doing, and supporters, you know, are helping to bring alive or envision a future, and and instill that idea that uh, the next generations uh, do have a right to to live, to li- to thrive, to be, um, and to have a good life, not just for themselves, but but right for their children, their grandchildren, and the future generations, and. I want to be mindful of your time. So when I talk about where you're at right now with the, t, uh, with the teen center, uh, what would you like listeners to um, go away with? And then equally important Talk about the way that our listeners, we have Native, non-Native uh, listeners uh, locally or regionally out here in Southern California, but also on the Internet and in the streaming world, the podcast world. What would you like listeners to go away with and what can they do to help?
2: One of the major things that I do want them to go, to, go away with is that we are still, we, like you said, we do have the right to thrive. As a people, and we we are still fighting, we're still here where um our existence is is essential to i guess really to the whole world to sit here and recognize of not only how to treat each other as a good relative in the sense of human beings, even as our, as, our, as we walk on like you said, Huchika on the mother Earth and this planet right here that's a big important thing to it because whenever we sit here and think about relatives we're so much into the mind frame of just thinking of relatives as a human being form of mm-hmm. her forgetting that, you know, the, the big relative that we do have is call this Mother Earth right here. And that our existence is essential not only to this I guess humanity, but then as as and then just in the sense of just human beings, but also to this whole world of, of being able to live. There's a lot of that us as native people can teach to the world. And that, you know, we have to start treating each other better and we have to start loving each other. And that's one of the main things that we have to sit here and take from our values. You know, in the talk y'all say we are our relations. We're all sitting here and we're we're needing to be able to I guess to start treating each other more kindly and thinking of each other as that and always thinking of our relationship to each other whenever we interact and I guess have dealings with each other is to remember that we are relatives, and when we walk through this way of life, that we have to interact with each other as that and honor that relationship.
0: Dan, your comments, uh, particularly in relationship to the struggle over the Dakota Access Pipeline.
1: Well, I wanted to make a comment about Dakota Access, of course. I mean, the world knows Standing Rock because of DAPL. It was a moment when an indigenous community in North America electrified the world by taking a stand on behalf of the Earth and you know the incredible poverty that exists on tribal nations uh we've talked about how that was a, that was intended that's a, a systematic uh, deconstruction of a, of a nation you know and we refer to tribal nations as reservations but they're not they're nation states uh, unto themselves they're nations and and yet they're being undermined proactively by um the united states and many other countries canada all, all of these different colonial Countries um, systematically undermine their own indigenous because they, because ironically, because the way that indigenous communities represent respect for the other, uh, the way that um, Standing Rock stood up for the earth, uh, exhibited the way that indigenous communities in general have have a way of teaching the need for respecting the other, and that's a threat to a certain ideology that is that is dominant, but it's not completely dominant. That's the point is that American culture um, is not uniform. There's a lot of progressive and liberal people who are non-native in our community who understand the importance of respecting the other and it's important that indigenous leadership be recognized now as being critically important in confronting, for example, climate change which is threatening all of us if we cannot learn to respect the other, if we can't imbibe these lessons from indigenous people and progressive people in general about the importance of getting along. And not just with one another, but with the earth around us, we're all going to perish at some point fairly soon. like Within the next hundred years, of course, the predictions are that we're going to start to see extreme impacts from climate change. So that's just a frame that I wanted to mention.
0: Yeah, I know, I know we can certainly talk about um, the intergenerational experiences that Indigenous peoples have already um, endured, you know, as climate refugees, as well as um, Indigenous nations that are, you know, frontline communities experiencing climate change, um, and, and will be climate refugees, um, and different parts of, of Mother Earth, of McCall and, um, and I, I think that's important, too, in, in talking about, uh, Niakia the teen center there at Standing Rock, and, in the work, Okshila that you and supporters are trying to do there, and I was asking, um, Earlier, when it comes to this teen center and uh, any final thoughts for our listeners and also your message to the youth and and how people can help. And I know, Dan, you also have some information and maybe you can add to that after uh, Huxula's response.
2: Yeah, in reference to how people can help, I think one of the major things that people need to remember in helping is that the key word to helping is is actually that is... uh, taking that supportive role and mm-hmm. actually asking the person who is needing help and in what area they need support in. All too many times we've seen in Indian country people who are coming from the outside or maybe they they actually are from there, like myself, and coming who are native in Indian country living there, and we think we can go over to another reservation and apply the same type of theory or um, helping helping hand across the board which would be general but in reality each one of these communities need help in a in a specialized and individual way that is unique to them and sometimes helping the best way is to come in and say and to say hey what what do you need me to do and not so much take over but just to kind of almost be like like a servant of that person and to help them in the ways because a lot of these communities already know what has worked and what hasn't worked and what they need to do to get them towards a better place. And all too many times people come in and they want to tell them what they need done or what they should do or, or, Hey, do you guys need to do it this way? And they're not even realizing that a lot of these community members have tried many avenues to solve their, their problems. And that sometimes when they're coming in and they're saying, this is the way you need to do it that Avenue was already taken. And they've learned that, Hey, it probably wasn't the best route. We had too many problems and that doesn't help the best when whenever you're trying to help somebody. You know, that's kind of almost as if you're taking it over mm. and taking on the problem and, and doing it yourself. So we need, a lot of times with community, Native communities, we need to remember that whenever we're helping them is to help them in the capacity that they need, not yeah. so much that we think they need, but in the capacity that they need, that they're asking for, and that they're telling us they need, mm. if that makes sense. Because it's not always just financial needs. Sure. There's other needs too, that communities need, sure. and sometimes we they need to tell us and portray it, and we need to stop and mm-hmm. listen so that way we can get a clear insight on what they need, not so much because sometimes people are already formulating ideas of what this person is talking about before the person is done talking, mm-hmm. you know, are describing their problem or going into depth of what they need. so we just need to really sit there and listen to them fully and then actually help them in the capacity that they need.
0: Hulk, Sheila, when you talk about uh, the role of supporters, right, this role of... Uh, allies and, and talking about Standing Rock, you know, I can't help but think about uh, the thousands of people that drove out there, right, to be supporters, right, to be allies and protecting uh, Mother Earth and protecting and defending the treaties, right, and defending and protecting the water. Is that when people left, a lot of people left. Their garbage right they left what they brought with them and and what I mean by garbage is just anything right whether we think of trash or maybe physical you know items uh, camping equipment whatnot etc and uh, and indigenous peoples were left cleaning up the mess And so it does beg the question, right, when we talk about, you know, supporters, what does that mean and who defines what a supporter is? And I know here on American Indian Airwaves, we covered Standing Rock quite extensively, uh, back in 2016 and speaking with grassroots peoples. And and I was wondering, um, you know, when we talk about being a supporter, you know, we let indigenous peoples who are living there on the front lines that are li- have those lived experiences, that have the right to define their own existence and, and define what being a supporter is. And I want to come back to the question of the youth um, is maybe restate your message about what you have to say to the youth in your listening to American Indian Airwaves Part two of a two-part interview on For Future Generations, the Youth and Children at Standing Rock. We're speaking with Hook Sheila White Mountain, who's creator and executive director of the Nyake Uza Teen Center at Standing Rock, and Daniel Nelson, co-project director of the Lakota People's Law Project. And now back to the interview.
2: The real message that we want to get across to the youth is, It's something that I struggled with throughout my whole life is just, you know, finding identity and purpose, you know, and it wasn't until like I was in my early 30s that I realized that we're here for a purpose, that a lot of things in our life, they may not seem what can be considered, I guess, a shine in the best light as good or healthy, but we're all here for a purpose and we might have challenges set before us at an early age. But we come from the start, so we already know before we get here that we're going to have challenges, we're going to have these things in life. But one of our our virtues, too, along with, I mentioned earlier before, was generosity, but is bravery and fortitude, the ability to, to, you know, I guess in Americanized terms, is grab the bull by the horns and keep going forward in life. We have to, we're not here for no reason at all. We knew before we got here, before we came from the stars, the trials and tribulations that we were going to have in our life. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing new to us, to our spirit inside of us. Our spirit knows what we need to do, and we need to reconnect with ourselves. Not so much get lost in what our mind thinks we need to do, but start praying and and get in touch with ourselves to let ourselves, our spirit guide us to where we should be here what we should do because we're not here for no reason. We are here for a reason. Each one of these children are here for a reason. And if they get, just let their spirit guide them and walk in a good way and remember to have good positive interactions, treat everybody as a relative, everything, every living thing and to, I guess, just try to be a better you. Not to mm-hmm. get so much entrapped in, into the, the capitalist and Americanized way of thinking of being better than the next person, mm-hmm. but being a better you so you can be a better relative because you are here for a reason you know we don't want people to think that they're not nothing is nothing is here for nothing
0: hello thank you for uh for those good words and um the when it comes to the a teen center is uh there a website up yet uh contact information uh that you want to provide listeners uh, social media uh contact information and Hokshila, I'll defer to you first, and then uh, Dan, uh, you could, if you can, follow up, please.
2: I do have my own personal email for <clears throat> any kind of contact information if they do want to donate. But we also go through. You can contact Lakota People's Law Project too. Also, they will, they since they are our fiscal sponsors, also taking donations on our behalf. My email is Hokshila White H O K S I L A W H I T E M O U N T A N A-I-N, sorry, M-O-U-N-T-A-I-N, at yahoo.com. And that right now is my personal email. We'll be able to have correspondence through there, and I can forward the people into the right direction of where they can help us out and what is the best assistance, because it's not always financial assistance, but maybe they would like to come up and spend some time with the children. They have a special skill or something that they'd like to teach or be able to have a class. It's not always about traditional but there's gonna be some life skill classes mm-hmm. and some classes for everyday of like as we could say modern day living that these children would have to learn. And if someone has a skill that they like to teach in that sense too, maybe they can come up and help the kids build a shed and and, and lend a hand and teach in teaching their skills on that. Maybe they can help the kids, you know, uh fix one of the local cars or something and they and they teach the kids a skill in that sense too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's many ways to help. And the, I guess the first way is just to get in contact and to ask us. You know, how can I help? I'm, it may not always be financial. Maybe it's just lending a hand or showing up as a volunteer. But just just to make contact with us, and we can we can always you know uh, we take any help we can get, and we'd love to have people come up
1: and, and be there for our children and to support too as well.
0: Mm, how
1: Dan. Uh, I'll just give a a mailing address, Larry, where people can send checks. And and be sure to put in the notes section of the check that you want this to go to the teen center so that it can be earmarked. Uh, But the address is 547 South 7th Street, uh, box number 149. And that's in Bismarck, North Dakota, uh, zip uh, 58504-5859. Uh, So that's it. You know, eventually there will be a website where people can learn much more about the the teen center directly and donate there. But at the moment, best to send a check or send an email directly to Hoke Sheila. He gave his email address there. We can correspond.
0: And that was part two of a two-part interview on For the Future Generations, the youth and children at Standing Rock. We were speaking with Hokshila Sheila White Mountain, creator and executive director of the Niake Yuza Teen Center at Standing Rock, and Daniel Nelson, co-project director of the Lakota People's Law Project. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. We're going to hear a brief spoken word by John Trudell. Democracy.
3: I want to say this because, see, it's about our responsibility and intelligent use of our thoughts and, you know, thinking, just thinking about things and seeking more clarity. See, as a native person, democracy means absolutely nothing to me. (laughs) All right? We just think, if we just look at things, democracy, it's supposed to be about the majority rule. So let's look at the birth of democracy on this hemisphere. The birth of democracy on this hemisphere, if you were Indian, and incidentally the majority, (laughs) you were automatically the enemy, so you didn't get to play. And if you were a woman, you were mentally inferior, so you didn't get to play either. And if you were a, a black, you were property, so you didn't get to play. And if you were a white male that did not own land, you had no taxable value, so you didn't get to play. This is the reality of the seed that was planted there. So the smallest number of people, and they were thieves and murderers, (laughs) they decided what are the grand institutions and rah-rahs now that people go around trying to save. Well, you know, see, every generation has the responsibility to create the living reality and way that they're going to live with the earth. It's not right. We have the responsibility to do this. It is irresponsible when we keep ourselves chained to dark age controlling thoughts, all right, that are going to mess up the lineage of our descendancy. See, so we have to think about certain things. See, and for us as native people, see, now that we're the smallest numerical minority, right, they say vote. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't kill me when you left me alive because you think I'm stupid? <laughs> yeah, vote. See, so to me, it's all just scam. It's part of that magician's waving the, the handkerchiefs and stuff. So I think that we have, to me, like a responsibility. And I'm not saying people vote or don't vote. I'm not saying, I'm just saying this is my observation. See, and I don't think that democracy is the solution. I think, you know, because I've had people say, see, I come from a tribe. A tribe lives with the land in a tribal way. See, I understand that reality much more better. See, and I get people coming up to me and saying, well, no, democracy in the pure form, the way it's really supposed to be. See, in my attitude, is, it is what it really is supposed to be. Don't you get it? Heroin for your consciousness. It's heroin for your intelligence. Shoot this up and go on a trip, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And it'll make you lethargic and everything. It's got all the elements there. (laughs) Now, I never tried heroin, okay, but I've been around democracy, and I I know some heroin users, so I know. (laughs) I remember what I saw. But we need to think about what it is that we're going through. And for us, see, it's we think our way through. Think our way through. Our clarity and our coherency, and we all have it, you know, and, and, it, and it deals with, all right, I am going to get here, but we have a responsibility, and responsibility is like response and ability. <laughs> so we have a responsibility, all right, to use our gifts as responsibly as we can, and as a part of that, whatever our intentions are in this world, it's about synchronicity. You know, we have motives, we have intentions, we have understandings, and then we have actions. Those things have to be synchronized when a good intention is to have a good result. You know, there are certain things that we just need to really, to look at. But we need to always be honest with ourselves. We should always tell ourselves the truth. Because if we're going to pass anything real on to the next generation, we can love them and care for them however we want. But I guarantee you, if we're not real to ourselves, what we pass on to them is going to be affected by that lack of reality. This is about our responsibility and we can't blame anybody about it man it's our responsibility but response and ability it is our ability and we should respond with it. it is very crucial to whatever's going to go on because we're not going to leave them political systems or economic systems or any of these other things all right that are going to ensure their survival but how they understand who they are and the purpose and reason of their intelligence this is what's going to keep them going the ability to use our intelligence, everything now is being programmed to keep us from thinking. Jump on a Nintendo and listen to the buzz, or, you know, <laughs> the kill and everything. The age of information means
0: <laughs> don't think. And that was spoken word by John Trudell, the track Democracy, off Descendant Now Ancestors, here on American Indian Airwaves. The moment of silence is over. And that concludes our show for today here on American Indian Airwaves. A special thank you to our guest, Hokshila White Mountain, creator and executive director of the Niakey USA Teen Center at Standing Rock, and Daniel Paul Nelson, co-project coordinator of the Lakota People's Law Project. For more information, you can visit the Lakotalaw.org website, and a special thank you to our musical guests for the entire hour, Aragon Star, Koopa, Ina, Stand Up with Standing Rock, and John Tradell and the band Blackfire. American Indian Airwaves is mixed and mastered in the studio at Burnt Swamp Studio in Signal Hill, California. For Marcus Lopez, I've been your host for the hour, Larry Smith. Until next time.
1: While your freedom manifests on their graves and the blood never comes clean from their guilty minds nor the hands that hold the chains against our fears, try not to become what we've told. wearing our souls on the thread, the
2: moment of silence is over.